0: Today's sermon is what separates the crazies from the Christians. Not that Christians can't be crazy, we can. Uh, but today's sermon is what separates the bad sushi that you had last night from the fact that God really did give you that dream. How many times have we had a dream or a thought or something and we wonder, God, is this you? Is this you? I mean, I, I don't want to be 90% sure. I want to be 100% sure. Is this from God? Was this the Holy Spirit? Was it really the Holy Spirit? Did I conjure this thought up? Did I make this thought up? Did I have this dream because I watched that movie or was this God? Was this just a, a, um, a happenstance? Like was this, did this, just, did this just coincidence that this happened? Or was this God? Is this the devil trying to trick me? How do I know the difference? I, I read, and I'm sure you can pull it up too, but I read a few weeks ago, Southwest Airlines was traveling to Albuquerque. And there was a guy on a plane sitting next to a woman who I assume he thought was attractive, and he started playing footsie with her. And so she told him to stop. And he started back again playing footsie, and she told him to stop a third time playing footsie. And she finally got up, and she went to the stewardess, and she said, you got to sit me somewhere else. This guy's harassing me. They sat her somewhere else. The guy gets up, follows her to her new seat, and continues to harass her until she's in tears. They had to make an emergency landing... And the FBI got involved, and the FBI arrested the guy. There are two things the man said when the FBI arrested him. The first thing he said was this, God told me to play footsie with her and to do this. (laughs) The second thing he said was, I overdosed on heroin the night before. But let me tell you, if I hadn't told you the second part, if I hadn't said the heroin part, how do you know that God didn't tell him to play footsie with the lady. You said because it hurt her or because it was, it, was, it, was, it was not kind or, or, or it was weird. That's, that would be your answer. So if the guy said, God told me to build a huge boat because the earth is going to flood and the animals are going to come on the boat and I'm going to save humanity, would you believe that? See, these are questions that I think that at least I've had in my life. How do we know the guy's not telling the truth? Is it schizophrenia? Is it just his own just making up? Does he really think God's on? Did God tell him this? How do we know that just because it's quote unquote a crazy thing, how do we know it wasn't God? Because God told people some crazy things in the Bible. These are questions that I have. I'm going to answer all these questions for you today too. I promise you're not going to leave here with a single question left in your mind. So here's the first thing. Before we get into the three C's of confirmation, I want to just tell you this. God loves to confirm his word. He loves to confirm it. When Jesus showed up and said, I'm the son of God, he didn't just say it. It was confirmed. Uh, Mark 16, 20 says, the Lord confirmed the word through accompanying signs. Things happened that proved that he really was who he said he was. Um, when Peter was in the boat with the disciples and Jesus comes walking on the, on the waves, remember that? And then Jesus says, it's me, Jesus. And Peter says in Matthew 14, 28, if it's you, Lord, but whoa, 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 hold on. I just told you it's me, Peter. It's me, Jesus. If it's you, Peter, did you not hear me the first time? Don't you know me? Haven't we spent time together? How dare you ask me for confirmation? Is that what Jesus said? How dare you? Don't you realize that I am Jesus? Jesus is calling me right now. Jesus? I'm just kidding. Is this Jesus? Here's Here's what Peter said. If it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Do you know what Jesus did? Come out on the water. And Peter steps out of the boat, knowing he wasn't doing it out of stupidity, wasn't doing it with any questions. He knew that he knew at that point it was Jesus. In Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus 4 are two whole chapters dedicated to Moses asking for confirmation. Now listen real close. Moses is is at the bottom of a mountain and he sees a bush that's on fire but not burning up. And a voice comes out of the bush and says, it's me, God. Hey, Moses, I have something I want you to do. Now, if any of y'all are walking home today at Market Common, and you're walking by this azalea bush, you know, and all of a sudden the azalea bush catches on fire, but it's not burning up. It's on fire. And all of a sudden a voice out of the azalea bush calls your name and says, hey, it's me, God. Don't you think that would be enough for us to want to listen and do what the bush said to do? But Moses said, how do I know it's you? And the bush is like, Moses, I'm burning a bush. It's me, God. Moses says, but how do I know? So the bush says this. It's okay. Um, whenever you do what I'm telling you to do and the Israelites leave Egypt, the Egyptians are going to give them gold. Is that enough? Now you're ready? Moses says, I'm not sure yet. I-, I need more confirmation. God said, okay, Moses, that staff in your hand, throw it on the ground. When he did, it became a snake. And God's like, okay, now Moses like, I'm 50 50. 50 50, God. How do I? God said, okay, pick up the snake. As soon as he touched the snake, it turned back into a stick. You ready now, Moses? I'm 60% sure. Okay, Moses, put your hand inside of your jacket and pull it out, and it was leprous. You ready now, Moses? I'm 70% sure. Put it back inside of your coat, pull it out again, and now it's healed. Now are you ready? I'm 80% sure. Okay, Moses, what's it going to take? Okay, Moses, how about this? Um, Take some water out of the Nile River and pour it on the ground and it'll turn to blood. Now do you believe it's me? I'm 99% sure. Moses, what else do you need, buddy? What what other confirmation? Moses, I don't talk very well. Okay, you're going to go to this location and your brother's going to be waiting on you. And he's going to be ready to speak on your behalf. Now are you ready? And Moses says... Now, God was totally okay giving confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. God doesn't expect you to go through this life playing charades with Him. God, if this is you, two syllables, you know, two words, whatever, however charades is played, that's not what God wants to do. If God doesn't speak to you, then the worst lie I could ever tell you is that you can have a relationship with Him. Because relationship is all about communication. One of my favorite confirmations in the Bible involves Gideon in the book of Judges. Gideon was just a young guy, uh, just like me. I mean, he's incredibly good looking and strong. And he was out there in the fields and he was was working in the fields, just like he was working at Walmart or he was on the construction site or he was teaching school or he was, you know, he's just like everybody else. He was working with everyone. And all of a sudden he senses in his spirit that God whispered to him and said, Gideon, I want you to raise up an army and go and defeat the Midianites. For God's people. It was, just, it was just, it wasn't audible. It was by faith. And he felt like he heard it. And he's looking around and nobody else is saying anything. And so he says, God, if it's you, I need a sign. Judges 16, 7. If it's really you, show me something. Prove to me I need confirmation. I want to be confident in our relationship. So God says, what do you want? Gideon says, I have this rug at home that I really like. I got it from Target. And it's a sheepskin rug, it's a fleece. And so, God, I'm gonna sit it outside. And when I wake up early tomorrow morning and there's dew all over the ground and moisture and wetness everywhere, I want everything to be wet except for the rug, except for the fleece. God said, Okay, he woke up the next morning. Everything inside is wet except for the fleece. God said, Okay, you ready? Gideon said, I need another sign. I need you to confirm it just one more time. God said, what do you want this time? Gideon said, this time tomorrow morning, I want the fleece to be soaking wet and I want everything around it to be completely dry. Verse 40, God made it happen that very night. Don't go through life hearing from God and then guessing if it was Him or not. Ask for some confirmation. Figure out if it's God or not. Spend more time in the relationship. And I'm going to teach you how. Before I do, let me make this point. Confirmation is not communication. It's a big difference. In other words, don't desire something and then expect God to confirm what you want. You know what? I really want a new car. Hey, God, show me that I can have a new car. Prove to me that that this is what you want for my life. Confirmation comes after communication. First, the Holy Spirit has communicated to you. And after the Holy Spirit communicates to you, then you seek confirmation. There's a big difference. Don't you wake up wanting a big screen TV or you want to date this person and you're just going to say, you know what, I I just really want this. So God, I need you to just show me proof. If you do that, I promise you, every time you'll find something, quote unquote, that proves that God wants what you want. We all do it. God, if if I can date this person, let me see a white car drive by me in the next five hours. (laughs) Am I the only one that's ever done anything like that? God, if I can buy this new suit for $220, then just let somebody smile at me soon. I look on the internet, smiles. Oh, there's somebody just smiled at me right there, you know, whatever. Don't do that. Um, Confirmation. Confirmation is not... Communication. So I wanted to share something with you before I go into some communication stuff. Um, when I work on a sermon series, I spend the first week of that series studying for about 60 hours, maybe 60, 70 hours. I mean, we hours, two, three o'clock in the morning, I just a mentally draining week for me. And I do that to plan out the gist of all of my sermons. And I always plan between six to 12 sermons. In other words, I had 12 for the series, but I'm only going to do eight. But anyway, the first week I'm working on this sermon series and I got one, I got the first week down pat. Now I'm working on the topics for the rest of the week. And I get to the confirmation sermon. This is about 10 weeks ago because we took breaks for Christmas. as I'm working on the confirmation sermon, and I've got my laptop open, my pajamas on, my bottle of water next to me, and I'm just studying, God, what are some communication? What do I need to tell them about? Confirmation after you've communicated, just share just give me some kind of confirmation. And I literally and I can't make this up and it sounds like I'm really spiritual. I'm not that spiritual, okay? It just sounds like him. So don't think I'm this, I am, so don't think I'm walking on water. But I, I look at the bottle of water that I'm drinking while I'm working on a sermon for confirmation, and here's what the bottle of water was. It said solid rock right across the back. I was like, wow, God. That's... So I took a picture of it and sent it to Micah. Here's the point. God loves doing stuff like this. He loves it. It's part of the relationship. It's part of you knowing Him. So before I go into the three confirmations, I want to just share with you as the final ser- sermon in the series, the 12 main ways that God communicates. And we talk, we've done a sermon on a lot of these the past two or three months. So here's the 12 main ways He communicates. You see, you and I, we communicate a lot of different ways too. Text, email, body language, dictionary, written notes, you know, face-to-face. I mean, we, we have a lot of communication ways. Here's God's main ways. Number one is His voice. It's whispers to our spirit. We did a whole sermon on that. Two is the Bible. I taught you exactly how to study the Bible and how to hear from God in Sermon 2. Number three was people, prophecy, prophets. We talked about that last Sunday. Four is circumstances. He speaks to you through your circumstances. If you all of a sudden feel like, I feel like God's trying to tell me I need to get my finances in order. And the next day you get two bounce checks that come in the mail. That's God speaking to you through your circumstances. Uh, Number five is peace. He speaks to us through peace. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Six, our conscience. We had a whole sermon on that. Romans 9.1, I belong to Christ and my conscience is ruled by the Holy Spirit. Seven is dreams and visions. God speaks to us and I'm going to teach you in a little bit how to know if that dream came from God or not. But it says in Acts 2.17 that God says, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit on everybody. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Uh, just for your notes, um, I am still seeing visions. Does so everybody understands. And Bob has been having dreams for the past 45 years. But anyway, okay, so uh, number eight, he speaks to us through our, through our thoughts. Hebrews 10.16 in this new covenant, I'll write my laws on their hearts, on their minds. Number nine, through angels. My nana has been communicated to through angels. Uh, ten animals. Remember the donkey that spoke to Balaam. Remember the whale that swallowed Jonah. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, did he say Nineveh or Bermuda? I don't know. And then the whale swallows him and spits him up. Where at? Nineveh. That was God saying, hey, I didn't say Bermuda. I said Nineveh. Uh, Number uh, number 11, supernatural manifestations like the burning bush, um, the the, the blinding light, Saul to Paul. Uh, Number 12, natural manifestations. Romans 1.20, ever since God created the world, um, his invisible qualities are clearly seen through the things he made. So we have no excuse at all. So now for your notes, we have the big three C's. The three things you look for every time God speaks. This is so important. Even for you young people, you take this sermon series, this note home, you'll be able to see if your parents are hearing from God or not. You'll be able to judge every prophetic word that comes your way because we are supposed to judge words that people speak into our life biblically. So important. After you fill this out, you should take a picture of it and leave it in your phone for the rest of your life. Don't go through life making decisions without knowing God's got your back. It'll never end up well. And the reason we need confirmation is communication. Uh, things can be lost. Translation, even when you and I talk face-to-face, things get lost. How many emails have you written or text and it just, it didn't come out the way your heart was? Because things can get lost. We're speaking the same language. I'll give you a, a for instance... But me and my my wife, Micah, several months ago, she just started leaving her curling iron plugged in. I mean, I know, mmm's right now. I'm not going to ask. I'm not trying to prove if I'm right or not. But to prove if I'm right, can everybody just lift their hands if it's wrong to leave your curling iron plugged in? Half and half. One half of y'all is wrong. But anyway, so I kept telling her, I said, honey, unplug your curling iron. And she wouldn't do it. Next day, I see that thing plugged in, unplug the curling iron. I didn't want to cause strife in our mare, so I thought, you know what? I'll unplug it myself. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to do it myself. Every time I walk in the bathroom, unplug the curling iron. Every time, okay? After about two months, I started finding my electric piano in our house turned off. And I always leave it on. (laughs) I leave it on because I walk by and I like to just play a riff or just have a tune of it. So I just do it. And it takes like six seconds to warm up. And I'm not a very patient person. So I always leave it on. It started getting turned off. And so I thought, that's weird. I never turned off. It's never happened before. My whole life. And so I started asking the kids one by one, Hey, you've been turning off daddy's piano. You know, I don't want him to, if, if they say, I don't want him to. You been, no, you promised. No, I go to the next child. The next child, all five, nobody's turning the piano off. Finally, I go to Mike. I say, honey, are you turning my piano off? She said, yes, I am. I said, (laughs) I said, I said, why? She said this, if you're trying to save electricity by unplugging my curling iron, then I'm going to turn your piano off. I said, I'm not trying to save electricity. I'm trying to save our house from burning down to the ground, woman. That's why you unplug a curling iron. She said. Oh, okay. <laughs> the moral of the story is things can get lost in communication. You think you're saying something, you're not. So when God speaks to us, it's okay to go back for confirmation, okay? Three C's. Number one, here we go. Number one, you always look at the character of God. The character behind the whisper, the character behind the dream. Proverbs 11:3. the integrity of the upright guides us. If God's telling you to quit your job, that's one thing, but He's not telling you to do it today. Integrity is you give two weeks' notice. I don't care, that's that's what integrity is. God may be telling you to quit your job, but you have to use integrity and realize that God would not want me to do it today. He'd want me to give two weeks' notice. Um, Integrity, if you have to manipulate somebody, lie, cheat, or steal to cause a door to open, that's not God. God has a thousand ways to open up that door to give you that promotion to make that dream come true. He doesn't need you to lack in integrity or excellence to make it happen. It's not from God. Um, One of the ways we can look at um, the character of God is by the Bible. Is it scriptural? I've had people come to me and they um, they say, I think God's telling me to do such and such. And I say, well, that's the opposite of the Bible. That's not God. It's just plain and clear not God. You know somebody. You know their character. You know who they are when you hang out with them. We should just know the character of God just by knowing him. Um, As an example, if somebody called me from an unknown number and and they said, or maybe one of my friends called me up and they said, John Paul, your wife, Micah, she lost her phone. She told me to call you and she wants you to meet her at the house and bring home dinner. And I say, okay, what does she want? They say she wants lobster tail and duck a la orange. I would immediately say, that's not my wife. How do I know that wasn't my wife? Because I know her. I know what she wants, I know what she likes. If they said, uh, your wife lost her phone, she wants you to pick up Chick-fil-A, not only would I know that's most likely her, but I would already know what she wants from Chick-fil-A because I know her. Um, if my friend Mark, if, he, if someone calls me, from, they say, um, hey, this is Mark, he wants you to meet him at, at a gym for y'all to work out. I would immediately know, that's not Mark. This is not Mark. If my friend Gorby called me up, it's an unknown email or whatever, and it says, hey, this is Gorby. I've been at the library all day. Can you meet me here? I would know in a heartbeat, that's not Gorby. That's not who that is on the other side of that email. Happy birthday, Happy birthday my friend. If, um, if Dan, if I get a message and someone says, this is Dan, I've been at the barbershop getting a haircut. My car broke down. I would know that's not Dan because I know my friend. If somehow someone texts me from home, they said, Hey, it's Jordan, I'm at the gap. Can you meet me there? I would know that is Jordan. Yes, that's in fact, yep. That's where I should meet him to go and pick him up. <laughs> okay, so some character of God. Is it scriptural? Is it the Bible? The Bible's a big one. Is this the line of scripture? Another thing of God is this wisdom. God is a God of everybody say wisdom. God is not an idiot. He doesn't tell us to do stupid things. He's a God of wisdom and common sense. Proverbs two six says, All wisdom comes from the Lord. Watch this. Out of the mouth of God. Out of His mouth. In other words, every single thing that God has ever said, is saying, or will ever say, is understanding, knowledge, and common sense. Everybody say common sense. Man, if you want to know who is not speaking of God, You just go on Facebook. Look at some news reports. Listen to, listen to some. I'm not going to keep going. But anyway, just... just uh, I remember one time we had... Um, we, we, for Easter, we, we paid this helicopter to come here. And we put an Easter bunny in the helicopter. And we paid them to drop 10,000 plastic eggs on our property for the kids to go and get presents in the eggs. <laughs> And it's, it's illegal now, and it's because of this story and what happened. But anyway, and so, um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that wasn't funny. I don't even know what I'm going to say. But anyway, And so, so, we told her, there was about a thousand people. We told everybody, hey, parents, don't let your children run out underneath the big machine that's dropping things under the ground, right? Don't go, you need to stamp it After all the eggs have dropped and the helicopter flies away, THEN you release your children to go out there, right? Well, some lady, she must have whispered her kid, you can go first and you get out there and you just get as many, I don't know what she said, but all of a sudden I saw this lady, she released her kid and this kid's run out there and 10,000 eggs and sure enough, he got knocked in the head and fell over and she left us this awful review on Facebook. Y'all call yourself a church of love and y'all let y'all drop something on my kid's head from the helicopter. I want to say, lady, you weren't using common sense. You obviously did not do what God wanted you to do. How do I know? It was stupid. God is not stupid. stupid. That's right. Okay. The character of God is seen in His personality. His personality. How, do you want, how do you know what the personality of God is like? I, I hate to sound cliche, but WWJD. What would Jesus do? In other words, um, I've had people that come to me with a dream, and their dream that their child has been kidnapped and tortured and abused, and they say, was that dream from God? Okay, let me ask this. Could you see Jesus in the gospel walking up to somebody and saying, you know what, your child's going to be murdered and tortured and all these things." Jesus wouldn't say that. Now, he might say you need to protect your child better. He might say you need to get your child away from this person or this relative or this friend of yours or whatever. They, but he's not going to produce fear. If the dream or the thought or the thing produces anxiety, fear, and that kind of... You've got to step back and say, this, this can't be from God and you keep seeking confirmations to find, but this can't be from God. Um, I'm curious, in the first service, the hands flew up, but out of curiosity, how many of you in here dream a lot? I mean, a lot of dream. Okay, yeah, about the same amount. Okay, so have you ever had a dream and you want to know, is this God or not? I'm going to tell you how. You ready? And this is extra long part of the sermon. I wasn't planning on going into this, but a lot of people dream dreams. So 95% of everybody in the Bible of every person in here who had a dream that was from God, when they woke up, they immediately knew it was from God. Even non-Christians, non-believers, atheists, Pharaoh. Remember Joseph's in prison? Pharaoh, I'm sure this man had a lot of dreams. Well, he had one dream one night, and he woke up and he thought, whoa, this didn't come from me. This didn't come from these false gods that I worship." This had to come from that God of Jehovah, that, 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 that God of Israel. i got to find that guy in prison who serves this God. Every, 95% of everybody in the Bible who had a dream immediately knew it was from God. Now listen, 50% of those 95 had to seek somebody who was closer to God than they were to interpret it. In other words, if you have a dream and you wake up and you're like, I don't know if it's God, it's probably not God. You will know, you guys in here you'll know 100% if the dream came from God or not. Now, you might not know what it meant or what he was trying to communicate so you, know, you can keep doing things to, to get your percentage rate up to 100%. But if you dream a dream, you'll know if it's God or not. If you're unsure, it's probably not God. Listen, God doesn't, God doesn't want you to just go around life guessing. He wants you to be confident in his communication to you and you hearing from him. So, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? That's the character of God. Number two is this. Counsel. Everybody say counsel. Counsel. Now, I taught you something last week, and so I expect you to answer very strongly and boldly, okay? It says in Proverbs 24, 6, In an abundance of wise counselors, there's victory and safety. Not smart, but wise. Not um, intelligent, but wise. There's a big difference. Wisdom comes from knowing the Word of God and knowing the mouth of God. Wisdom comes from experience in life. Your elders, um, wise counsel. So here's my question. Who is the first human being on planet earth that you should go to when you are hearing from God to help you discern if it's God or not after God speaks to you personally? Who's number two? Your spouse. Not your pastor, your spouse. Not your best friend, your spouse. Your spouse is number two. They may not do a great job at it. They may not be the best. And you can help train them. You can train them to be encouraging. You can train them to hear your heart before they speak. You can train them to have patience when you dialogue with them. And it it helps your marriage grow. But your spouse should always be number two. And then the next one is this, your spiritual leaders. Then you go to your spiritual And your parents, if they serve God, they are spiritual leaders. Don't think, well, my parents, they did this and that. I didn't like the way they raised me here. They didn't give me this. Your parents are your spirit. All the parents said amen. amen. Okay, good. And then the other one is this. Somebody who loves you and loves Jesus. What do I mean by that? Don't go to somebody that's always opinionated and telling you what you should do. You should believe for this. You should pray for this. You need to parent your kids better. You need to use your money better. Don't go to those people. They don't care about you. They care about just sounding smart and showing you how great they are or whatever. They you go to somebody that loves Jesus and they love you enough to listen to be encouraging and to look at you in your face and say, you're an idiot, don't do that. You need people, remember when Nathan went to David? Like, dude, you messed up bad. If Nathan hadn't have gone to David and loved him enough to to gone to him and bring that correction, David probably would have never repented and would have stayed hidden from his, uh, in, in that sin for the rest of his life. So you need somebody that loves you and loves Jesus. Here's the third C is this, and we'll close with this, is your circumstances. God will confirm His Word, through His character, through counsel that's godly, and through your circumstances. Uh, Revelation 3, 7 says, when He opens a door, no one closes it. When He closes a door, nobody can open it. Uh, Open and close doors. Let me tell you how I use this principle in my life, okay? Um, The level to which you love Jesus is seen in the level to which you love and serve His body. The fallible, imperfect people around you. We are called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Don't, I, when people say, I serve Jesus, and I say, how? Oh, I'm just I'm just nice to people. I, I, I smile at people in public. Tell me in the Bible where that's ser- serving Jesus is not um, just floating on clouds, being nice to people. Serving Jesus is getting in the nitty gritty with people and helping these people come to Jesus and, 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 and helping motivate people to, to grow in God. And you're part of a church body. The whole New Testament is about members of the body of Christ. The local. So, I serve the local church. My heart's in it. How do I know that? Because my money's here. So my heart's in the body of Christ. And then number three, I, I literally, even though I'm very imperfect, I have the desire to please Jesus. So because of those three things in my life, I have positioned myself and planted myself in a place for God to automatically open doors and automatically shut doors with me having to simply continue serving God honoring him financially, and having a desire to please. I don't got to force... I said it in the first service, I probably shouldn't have it. It made me look really stupid, but that's never stopped me before. But anyway, and so um, I'm very impatient. And Michael will tell you, you know how you have these doors around Myrtle Beach that they open up automatically when you walk in front of them? You know, y'all see that, right? No? Yes? Okay, just make sure. Okay. Well, evidently, I walk too fast because I run into those doors a lot. And if I didn't wear a hat during the week, I'd probably have broken my nose many times and so I'll run up to the door and I automatically, if it doesn't open right away, I kind of think I'm in the wrong one. So I try to, and then it opens up and I look stupid and whatever. Anyway, sometimes I actually try to go in the wrong door. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it lows. I don't know if you know it lows. When you walk up to the exit door, it doesn't open. And at Target, it does. I know the doors that open up all around Myrtle Beach, okay? I have it all set in my mind. But at Lowe's, you have to force it open. <laughs> Don't act like you know me if you see me in public, okay? <laughs> hey, pastor. No, 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 no. You got it wrong. I'm Jordan. And so anyway, <laughs> and so, so, I'm just kidding. And so, got a grow beard. And so I'll force the door open. Okay, if you have to force the door to open, <laughs> it's not supposed to open, okay? It's just not supposed to. So open and close doors. Second one is peace. God confirms circumstance peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace from Christ act as an umpire in your hearts deciding with finality any questions that may arise in your mind. We have questions, is this you, God? So now I'm going to say something in closing that is the most important statement of today. I think it's the most profound. I think so. Maybe it's not, I think so. If you don't have a peace about something before you do it, you will not have a peace after you. If you don't have peace deep in your spirit, before you get involved in that relationship, you won't have peace after you get involved in that relationship. If you don't have peace before you say yes to that financial deal, if you don't have peace before you buy that car, if you don't have peace before you go to that college, if you don't have peace before you say yes to that job, I can tell you from experience, you will not have peace after. Now, a lot of times, if you're like me, I've thought this. I don't have that much peace about it. But I bet after I do it, because God loves me, He'll work it all out. Man, how many times have we ignored the peace button on the inside? Peace is so underrated in our society. So underrated. Ah, we are used to strife. We are used to uneasiness. We're so used to anxiety and discord. It just comes natural to us. We just experience it when we pull up our phones and if you don't have a peace and and so I kind of talked about this in the first service here's what you might be asking yourself I've already made the decision and you're right I don't have peace what do I do you do this and it's tough but it's the lesser of two you get out of it and you step back and you go far enough back to the place where you were 100% sure God said something. In other words, you get out of this, whatever it is, whatever it is, and you go, you know what? I know God told me to take this job, so I'm going to focus on that and being very excellent and faithful in that area. Or I know God told me to be a part of this church. Or I know God told me that these three people, they definitely should be in my inner circle. They're definitely part of my friend. But this one I'm going to marginalize. This one I'm gonna take say. And 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 maybe it's maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's um maybe it's a job and you just can't find it. whatever it is, in those situations, be honest. And just say, listen, I wanna have peace. I really do. But I need both of us to take a step back and see what happened that 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 where were we at when the peace was not there anymore and we stepped into some some Un-peace and we stepped in something that was just not. we didn't feel right. Where, let's go back there and let's just ask God. Let's repent for something. Let's ask God to help us deal with this. Let's take it to the throne. Let's take it to the altar. We know God's a God of restoration, reconciliation, a God of peace. I need to get my peace back. Man, don't go through life making decisions without peace. The last point of circumstances, and this is a funny one, but you step out to find out how do we know that God really did tell Noah to build the ark? Well, here's how we know. It rained. And it flooded. I mean, the circumstance showed. That sounded crazy, but you know what? Noah didn't make the animals come on the ark. That was God. It showed in circumstances. Um, Here's a a point. Noah was called a righteous preacher. Righteous preacher. Yet nobody believed him or got saved. He he had to force his family. In other words, he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do, but the situation didn't turn out exactly like he wanted it. So a lot of times I think we should just step out and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Say, well, I stepped out and I failed. I really thought it was God. God's character, the counsel, and I had a peace about it. But then I did it and it didn't work out. Hey, maybe it did work out exactly like God wanted. It. If, you had, if it was the character of God, if it, you had wise counsel, and if you had a peace about it, and then you didn't think, maybe that's just what God wanted. And maybe it's going to take 10 years from now for you to look back and say, you know what? I see why God had me do. I, I don't know. Romans eight twenty eight: all things work together for them that love the Lord. So now I'm going to tell you my favorite story of the whole series. It might not be yours, it'll be mine. In 2006, I was 26 years old. And I was arrogant and stupid and... Everything else, I'd gotten saved, and I felt like God was telling me to step out and pastor, start a church. It was so great. I went to the character of God, and it lined up with the Bible. I started going to some counsel in my life. Now I have, I have great counsel all around me. At the time, I had a lot of yes people. Said, oh yeah, you'll do great. Oh yeah, that's, You got it. Oh yeah, you know, you know what you're doing. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing at all. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to pastor. You tell me I'm gonna be great. I wanted somebody that would say, John Paul. You're stupid. You're too young. You don't know what you're doing. I wanted someone that loved me enough to... So I called the godliest man I've ever known. His name's Reverend Randall. I picked him up. And um, he's one of my bishops, one of my uh, uh, apostolic overseers. And um, he loved me enough that he body slammed me on concrete when I was 16 years old for calling him a wrong name. He loved me enough to come to my house at 2 o'clock in the morning and lead me to salvation and pray with me when I had questions that were arising in my life. He loved me enough to, to drive all... He lives in Little River. He'll, if I called him right now and said, I need you, he would drop everything he's doing. This man, he has, he's, a, he's a Pentecostal holiness pastor. Very small church in Little River, but his heart is so big. It's for missions and outreach in Africa and Jamaica, and he feeds the poor all over the Grand Strand. Just a great man of God. And so I went to him and said, listen... I, actually, I called him up. It was a Tuesday. And I said, um, Tuesday afternoon, I said, I feel like God, actually, I called him up. I said, hey, it's me. And here's what he said. He said, are you in jail? Do I got to come bail you out? What's going on? (laughs) That's what he said. I said, no, I said, you know, I got saved a few months ago. I said, I feel like I'm supposed to pass. He got in his car and he drove all the way to my house. And he said, "Um, and this is a very weird whisper. I said, I agree. It's very weird. Is it the character of God? Yes. Is there a counsel that can, uh, can back this up? I said, I'm here for you. What do you think? So we prayed. And he said this. He said, I believe that God's going to give me the answer. Talking about himself. Not me, but himself. In three days. He said, will you receive that? Are you okay if God gives me, as your overseer, as your spiritual leader, the answer? I said, I'm okay with it. He said, if the answer is no, are you going to be okay? I said, yes. He said, if the answer is yes, but not now, are you okay? I said, he said, if the answer is yes, do it now, will you be okay? I I guess so. We'll see. So three days later, it was 10 o'clock at night, Thursday night. He called me up and he says, I have, without a shadow of a doubt, the answer to the question. I said, what is it? He said, I'm writing you a letter and I'm going to put it in the mail. And I'm going to mail it to you. I should have known at that point, God was trying to teach me patience. He said, when it comes in the mail, call me up and open it and read it to me over the phone. That night, that Thursday night before he called, he was inducting another pastor into a church in North Carolina. This particular denomination is the kind where the pastor types out the entire sermon word for word and reads it with fluctuation and and, and, you know, body language. But they literally read it word for word. And, and if you've never been to a church like that, there's a lot of them out there. It's very popular. They, they'll literally write it and just read it word for word. And so after he inducted that pastor and the pastor preached the sermon, Reverend Randall asked the pastor for the sermon, put it in the mail, and he sent it to me. The title of the sermon and the opening scripture was this. God is trying to build a house. Let him build 1 Chronicles 28.10, Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. The three points of the sermon were this. God is trying to launch you. You've been chosen. Seek God for your assignment. And consider yourself qualified for the task. And let me tell you why this is so special in my life. Because anytime I feel like a failure, anytime I feel frustrated, anytime I feel like the sermon isn't going to bless anybody, anytime I feel like, man, I can't believe I did that again, anytime I feel unqualified, uptight, fearful, anxious, worried, depressed, I don't just get to go back to the whisper. I get to go back to the confirmation that proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that God in fact said what I heard Him say. Man, confirmations are priceless. Priceless. Don't spend the rest of your life jumping from one place to the next without hearing from God 100%.